unofficial Bengals podcast. Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, this episode is going to be dedicated to some topics that are on Bengals fans' minds. Tom McLeavy is going to stop in for another McLeavy Minute, and we're going to have a special guest, Seb Talk Sports, an excellent broadcaster from the UK, and we're going to discuss the NFL's expansion into the UK, as well as some other topics. I'd like to thank our sponsor, at Bengals Highlights on Instagram. Really cool Bengals highlights set to some modern music. Definitely something you guys got to check out. All right, let's get on with some topics that are on Bengals fans' minds. Hi, Frank. First question. Are the Bengals interested in Larry Warford? I have to say, when I found out that Warford was available, I was really excited about that because he is a three-time Pro Bowler. He's under the age of 30. He played in a winning program in New Orleans. But I don't think the Bengals are going to go for him, to be honest with you. And here's a couple reasons why. One, they just put about $4 million into Suofilo, and it's unlikely that they're going to throw money at that same position no matter who's available. The other thing is the offensive scheme. I'm not privileged to coach Taylor and Coach Callahan and what they're thinking about for the run game this year, but they did get Suofilo, who is a mobile guard, a guy who does very well pulling. From what I've read about Warford, he's more of a straight-ahead run blocker. He's you know a lot of brute strength there, but not really known for his quickness. If they plan on having a lot of pulling from the interior linemen, then Suofilo is probably going to be the right choice for them. With that said, it's very tempting to go after someone like Warford, but I actually don't think they're going to. Will the Bengals add a veteran quarterback? As far as adding a veteran quarterback, we have to first consider who's out there. So you have Cam Newton, and you have Joe Flacco, and then you have a bunch of journeyman guys after that. No one who's really made that big of an impact in the NFL. So really, you're going to be targeting Newton or Flacco. And I have my reasons for not wanting to go with either one of those guys. Cam Newton's coming off a couple big injuries, and you know if he comes on this roster with his personality, he's going to try to beat out Burrow. It's not going to be conducive to Joe Burrow's progress and future to have a quarterback who's had such success in the league trying to fight him for starting snaps. So I don't think that Cam Newton would be the right choice for us. I don't want to diss on Cam, but I think he would almost be a cancer if we got him in the locker room. You know what? Let him go to Pittsburgh. Let him do his thing there. As far as Flacco goes, he's coming off a pretty significant neck surgery, and I don't think he's going to be back until August. He doesn't have a lot left in the tank at this point. You could see that last year. And the fact that he's coming off a a major surgery like that and he's not even going to be ready, I I don't know if he's going to be a good fit for us either. And he was very pouty with the Broncos. You know, when things didn't go his way, he didn't really come across as a team player. And we have all these young guys that are so into the team. I don't want to bring anybody on board that has any chance of disrupting this. We're going to go with Finley. The coaching staff seems set on Finley and Dolagala, and... You know, Finley, in all fairness, struggled last year. They tried to have him replace Andy Dalton and and be the guy. He was great in preseason, but some of his vulnerabilities showed up when he played in those three games for us. You could see that he didn't have elite arm strength, and he was a little bit overwhelmed. Granted, he was a rookie. Everybody deserves another shot. So you know what? They're going to give him another shot. They're going to keep him on the roster, and they're going to have him back up Burrow this year. We're going to probably be rolling with Finley rather than getting one of these either journeyman guys or the two guys that I mentioned that have the potential to have a negative impact on Joe Burrow. Can the Bengals win 7-9 to nine games this season? 
This is the big question. Again, a lot of people keep referring to us as the Bungles. I know that whole deal. But when you think about it, we have six new starters on defense. That's a revamped unit. And they're all improvements over what we had last year. They have to be better on defense, especially run defense. A.J. Green's coming back. You know, people are questioning, is he going to be healthy? I mean, who knows? But it's A.J. Green. He's worth a win or two right there. So you take the two wins from last year, throw in a win for a better defense or two, and throw in another win or two for A.J., you're already up to six, right? Everybody gave us an A, A- for the draft that we had, so we're obviously bringing in some players that the NFL general managers and pundits agree with. And we're bringing in a quarterback who had the most prolific college season ever. Call him a one-year wonder. Call him what you want. I love this guy. You could see he's a winner. You could see he's going to be as prepared as anyone in that locker room or anyone in the NFL. So, yeah, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm going to say that Burrow's going to make a difference, and he's worth a couple wins alone. We have the improvements on the offensive line. Suafilo is going to be an improvement over what we had last year. And Jonah Williams. I've had my questions about his ability to jump right in and be an impact player. But he is the 11th pick in the draft. You know, if they if they moved up to 11 this year and grabbed one of those highly rated tackles, you know, we'd be penciling him in as a 10-year starter. So hopefully Jonah Williams is going to be that too. So again, six new starters on D, A.J. Green coming back, an A-A- in the draft, most prolific quarterback in college history, two new improvements on the offensive line, and Joe Mixon's on the rise. You know, he struggled the beginning of last year, mostly because of blocking. But he's a a hell of a player, and you could see he's just starting to come on. So we're going to get another few great seasons out of him as long as he stays healthy. So with all those factors, we better damn well win between seven and nine games this season. Is it possible that we will trade Geo or Dunlap? Okay, I confess, I am such a diehard Bengal fan that when we have players that have been with us for a few years and have been very productive... I get attached to them. Maybe I'm a little blind. Bernard and Dunlap, I love the way they play. I think Bernard's got a lot left in the tank. He didn't have a ton of touches last year, so it's he didn't get a lot of mileage on him last season. And why not? You have him under contract for one more year. I know you're paying him a, a fairly decent sum, but why not give him a chance to be in, Bur- in the system with Burrow? He's a pass-catching running back. Burrow's going to need that as an outlet guy. And Bernard's not badly rated in pass blocking. If you go to PFF, his pass blocking rating is not bad. So with that being said, you want to get Burrow as many weapons as you can. And Giovanni Bernard in open space or going in motion into the slot, even taking the occasional run, I think he's going to be more of a plus than a minus this year. So no, please don't trade Gio. You know, I kind of see Gio probably not coming back after this year unless he has a superstar season. And because he went to UNC, I almost see him ending up as a Panther. Just remember that I said that. He seems like a perfect complement and even a backup to a McCaffrey. But I don't even want to talk about that right now. Gio's my guy. I liked him when I met him. I think he's going to help the offense. Please keep him around, Mr. Brown. And as far as Dunlap goes, they're not getting rid of a pass rusher. You, you just can't in today's NFL. If you have a guy that's proven that he has the ability to rush the passer and stacking up all those lifetime sacks that he has, all the batted balls, the occasional block kick. He's got leadership. He even can stand up at defensive end, drop back. I know he's not a master in coverage, but you know he's versatile. He'll he'll give you he'll give you a ton of functional snaps and high quality snaps. I still think he's a game changer. Uh, they definitely shouldn't get rid of Dunlap. Who are you going to put in there in place of him? 
if you really think about it. It is possible that we'll trade Bernard. I don't think they're going to trade Dunlap, but in all reality, I think we're going to see both of those guys in stripes in 2020, and I'm really happy about that. How will Coach Taylor utilize Green, Boyd, Ross, and Higgins? If you think about how Coach Taylor and Coach Callahan are going to use Green, Boyd, Ross, Higgins, Tate, and Erickson for that matter, think about what they did with Joe Burrow and said, hey, give us your favorite plays out of the the LSU playbook. I think that's a great idea. I think you let the quarterback tell you the plays that he's comfortable running and add some of those to your scheme. And again, I'm not a big college football guy. I've said it before. But from what I've read and seen, they did a lot of spread offense in LSU. So there you go. You got four, five, six guys. I mean, they're not going to have six. But I mean, you have four or five guys that you can throw out there that are going to be functional players that can get open. Especially A.J. Green. He's probably going to take up two guys. It's going to free up those other guys to do a lot as well. So yeah, they're going to probably get those guys in spread formations, four wide, sometimes five in there. And they're just going to let it rip. I can't wait. Which new addition will have the most immediate impact this season? Joe Burrow. That is the player that will have an immediate impact on the roster. That winning pedigree, that psycho win-at-all-costs mentality, and the desire to get to work and prepare. Joe Burrow. I believe that DJ Reader is going to have a great season for us. He's going to open a lot of things up for Geno. And he's probably going to make a bunch of plays on his own. So he's going to be, you know, runner-up for having the most impact on the team. Don't discount that Von Bell's not going to be an improvement for us either. I think he's going to be an enforcer in there, and he's, and we're going to see less of those three-yard runs that all of a sudden turn into seven or eight yards. I think he's going to really help us out in the run defense. And you never know with T. Higgins. As I said earlier, rookie-wide receivers, it takes them a little time to get adjusted. You can't expect them to be ten touchdown guys out of the gate. But with all the weapons around him and A.J. Green kind of guiding him through, you know, he might progress faster than a lot of the rookies that we've seen in the past. So don't discount that Higgins might make an impact as well. So in order, I would go Burrow, Reeder, Bell, Higgins. And then the two corners, Waynes and Alexander, I think they're going to be improvements over what we had, and I think they're going to make an impact as well. But to answer the question, Joe Burrow. McLeavy Minute. So, Tom, local Cincinnati media said that the success of Joe Burrow is directly tied to the team remaining in Ohio after the current lease is up. What are your thoughts on that? That's ridiculous, Frank. My feeling, I have no knowledge of this, but I think the city went to Mike Brown and had enough. I mean, Mike Brown put a product on that field that he's been doing for basically 30 years. The city gave him everything conceded to all his concessions, redid the the waterfront, gave him the city, gave him, which I'm still shocked, letting him still call that stadium Paul Brown Stadium, where other stadiums have naming leases where the city, its county can make money off. I am still shocked that they're allowing that. But part of their course, why they went into Mike Brown and said, we're tired of this. You have to spend money. You have to spend money to upgrade this team to put it into a favorable position with the rest of the NFL. To put it on Joe Burrow's back is ridiculous. He had a pretty much a pro team on LSU. 
His team in Cincinnati right now is good, but it's still short on a lot of positions. He start, came out strong in this free agency. I think it was due to what the county came in at him with. I think this year, like I said in the past, 7-9 would be a win. And then next year, that's the playoff push. Spending more money on this team to get us back into the playoff talk. Joe Burrow himself is not going to do it alone. We don't even know what this kid can do in the NFL. We just saw a year and a half at LSU. He has all the intangibles, but let's see if it translates into the NFL. But I think that's more on Mike Brown, that lease situation. Him coming out strong in free agency, spending money, is due to the fact that the county came at him and had enough of the way he was running this team. So, Tom, do you think the Bengals are ever going to leave Cincinnati? I don't think so, Frank. I mean, he has roots there with his father. I don't think so. I think he's starting to see the light to say, listen, we got ourselves a quarterback now. I'm hoping. We've said this in the past. Hopefully he sees the light. And uh, and hopefully the county pushed him with this, that of not signing a new lease with the Bengals maybe opened his eyes. So I, I don't think so. Are the Bengals ever going to build an indoor facility? <laughs> well, they better. I think that's part of putting money into the team that the county pushed Brown. They got to. They want to attract any big-time free agents. They have to get one, Frank. They're probably the only team in the upper United States that doesn't have one, if not all of the United States that doesn't have an indoor facility. And, you know, the draft could get you into the playoffs, but if you want to talk Super Bowl contender, you got to spend money on some big-time free agents and a couple key places to get you over that playoff hump. If they don't have an indoor facility, they're not going to get there, Frank. The University of Cincinnati is killing it in recruiting due to the fact they have an indoor facility. These guys are going to the University of Cincinnati and are spurning big-time conferences to go to Cincinnati. If the Bengals don't get an indoor facility, big-time free agents are not going to look to Cincinnati. They'll go to Cleveland before they go to Cincinnati because of the indoor facility. Wow, Tom. Excellent takes, as always. I really appreciate you on the show. No problem, Frank. Love to be on it, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, my man. Seb Talks Sports. All right, I'd like to welcome a very special guest to the Unofficial Bengals podcast. He's a gentleman who is on Instagram and a bunch of other forums, and it's called Seb Talks Sports. He's a friend of ours from the UK, so he's got some interesting perspectives on the NFL from a UK fan's point of view. So we're going to get right into this. Seb, how are you today? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you doing? All right, man. It's good to have you on. Thanks very much. All right, so let's get down to business. The first question is, what do you know or what experiences do you have regarding the plan for expansion of the NFL into England? Okay, so firstly, my thoughts about an expansion team in England. At first, I wasn't so sure due to it being the National Football League. But then upon realizing that the other three major sports in North America, being the NBA, NHL and MLB, they all include teams from another country, which is Canada. I sort of opened up to the idea because the opportunity is there for the league to expand abroad. 
Um, personally, I can say that the market is definitely here. The UK have grown to love the NFL and would happily embrace an NFL team in any country. But, of course, with it, there are a number of logistical issues, such as the perspective of doing cross-Atlantic flights, players who have to relocate with their families, etc., with new housing and schools. They have to learn a completely new culture in the UK. The UK is very different to the US. Salaries would be paid in pounds rather than dollars, of course, and subject to different tax rates. Players would need visas, etc., etc. The list goes on and on. But I think that the opportunity is definitely there. I mean, we've already seen the NFL Europe League come and go. Although it ultimately failed, locating a single NFL team in the UK would definitely be set in the right direction. Whether or not I've heard anything, I think the biggest progress we've had in the area is the fact that the Jaguars owner, Shah Khan, attempted to purchase Wembley Stadium for himself and increase the Jaguars' London games from one to two. Other than the Jags, I can really only see a team like the Chargers moving to the UK because their original fans in San Diego have suffered from the move to LA. And now they're currently struggling to fill their stadium, let alone a new one that's coming. The head of NFL International and the league's chief strategy and growth officer, Christopher Halpin, has said, quote, there is nothing blocking us from having a franchise in London. So obviously the officials at the, at the NFL, higher up, believe this is a possibility and having their backing means everything to the possibility of this happening. Maybe the first logistical step is to host a key NFL event in the UK, such as the draft or the combine, or even the Super Bowl. And seeing how that would work with regards to logistics and flying all the players over and personnel would be a key test to see how well a franchise could survive here in the UK. Wow, Seb, that's pretty interesting stuff. Um, so my second question is, what's the UK's real perception of the NFL? Like, what's the word on the street? So the NFL executive, Christopher Halpin, has said that, quote, the British fan base is extremely knowledgeable and has become so sophisticated in the way they consume football. And he is absolutely correct. We in the UK love the NFL, and we're becoming more savvy and technical with how we consume the sport. Social media communities, such as the ones I'm in, and the country's increasing interest have allowed the sport to thrive here in the UK. And it's the reason why I'm talking to you. Wanting to cover it as a full-time job myself, and I've fallen in love with the sport. Personally, I love the NFL's strategic elements, such as player matchups, offensive and defensive schemes, receiver out trees versus man and zone defences, basically the X's and O's, which our sports, such as soccer and rugby, fail to have on the level that the NFL does. This sort of strategy is helped by the stop-start nature of the sport and the play-calling aspect. So from a personal standpoint, I think I speak on behalf of a lot of people here in the UK, we love the strategy that the NFL brings. As for the word on the street, the NFL is only going to increasingly grow here in the UK. Our Brits love the parity the league offers in the way of the drafting system being reverse order of teams' finishing positions and the salary cap. Our football teams can spend and spend as much as they like depending on how committed the owner is with regards to funding the team. I mean, if this was the case in the NFL, we'd see people like Robert Kraft and David Tepper stacking their roster full of stars with absolutely no repercussions. As such, there can never be a sort of super team in the NFL like we're seeing in the NBA with the Warriors and in soccer here in Europe. Basically, as long as you and the States keep providing the NFL, us Brits will continue to consume it because of the on-field product, the chances to watch some of the world's greatest athletes and the potential of having our own team here in the future. Seb, that's another really good take. And, you know, I feel the same way about the parity in the NFL that makes, you know, kind of any team have a shot to win it in any given year. And I was very much the same attracted to the strategy of the NFL over a lot of other sports. I mean, they're, they're calling different plays and different formations and, you know, different philosophies. And it's just um, there's a lot of strategy involved, and that is a very attractive element to the sport. So the final question for now, Seb, is 
why did England embrace the Jags? Why are the Jags the team of the UK? And why did the NFL pick those guys to be the team that goes over there every year? So I myself am a Jags fan, although for a different reason for the ones I'm about to explain. I personally went there on holiday, and the Jags team was the only team I could see in the home stadium. So I took to the Jags naturally. However, British people love an underdog, and we root for those lesser-renowned teams, the Deep Brown and the King. So a good example of this is the Jags have been probably one of the worst franchises in the NFL for the last 10 years, record-wise. And we're just looking for that upset to come. Obviously, the Pats have ruled the league for the last 20 years. So in the 2017 AFC Championship game, when the Jags played the Pats, I think not only did people in America back the Jags, but also I think everyone here in the UK was rooting for them as well. Although we didn't make it to the Super Bowl, we got to the doorstep. And I think that's a good sign of people backing the Jaguars rather than some of the other teams who tend to win more games. Additionally, the Jags have played in the NFL International Series every single year since 2013. It gives the Brits a home team to root for. Additionally, our owner, Shard Khan, owns a soccer team here in the UK, Fulham, so it already, already has British ties. Plus, he actually tried to buy Wembley Stadium, so he shows commitment to investment this side of the Atlantic. So I think the relationship that Shard Khan has built, in addition to the underdog perspective of the Jags, that is exactly why the NFL UK fan base has taken to the Jags over all the other teams. Wow, Seb, another strong point. And, you know, being a Bengal fan, I know what you're saying about the underdog. And that's another reason why I do like the Bengals, because they're not America's darling. They're, they're a team that they don't get a ton of respect. And, you know, the, the day that they do win that Super Bowl, I think it's going to be even more gratifying than being someone who's a front runner. Additionally, I didn't realize that Mr. Khan had that much interest overseas. So that, that explains a lot of the, uh, of the Jaguars' appeal in, in the U.K. Excellent. Thank you for that insight. Seb, i got to say, this was really entertaining and informative, and we'd love to have you back on the show. Um, a question, how do people find you? Uh, yeah, people can find me on Facebook, Seb Talks Sports, uh, on Twitter, at Seb Talks Sports, and on Instagram, where I'm primarily active, which is, again, at Seb Talks Sports. I'd love to have you over there. Um, drop me a message, and well, let's get talking about sports. Excellent, my friend. Well, again, I appreciate your time, and we'll definitely be in touch soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having me on. All right, my man. That'll do it for this week's episode of the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. I'd like to thank our sponsor, at Bengals Highlights, on Instagram. And I wanted to give a special thanks to a bunch of the Bengals pages that are out there. Everyone has been so gracious and welcoming. It's a really good community. There's a lot of great pages out there. I'm not going to have the time to list everyone who has been cool to me, but I am going to do that in future episodes. But I want to give a special shout-out to a couple pages in particular. Bengals Talk has really done me a lot of justice and really tried to spread the word about the page. I really appreciate what you've done for me, man. Bengals Access has also been very gracious and has helped spread the word about this page. Zim versus SNU Jr., thank you for what you did for me, brother. Stripe Pipe Bengals told me your DM is always open to me. I really appreciate that. Zim Day gave me a shout-out. Bengals Center... Bengals Junction helped do a logo for Tom McLevy. Hooday Insider, Bengals Nation One, Westside Hooday, which is fast becoming one of my favorite pages on Instagram. Bengals Gym BTR, got so much cool classic stuff. I could tell that you've been a fan for a very long time. Bengals Captain, I spent 40 minutes DMing him one day. The list goes on and on. I don't mean to leave anybody out. I'm going to hit all you guys in the upcoming weeks. But I did want to give a special thanks out to those pages. 
Thanks for making this all possible. I'm having a really good time doing this, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The unofficial Bengals podcast.